Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech and Tech Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Riverman. Dean, do you have any um, legacy technology sitting around your house? Like <laughs> the stuff that you just refuse to or just haven't gotten around to upgrading? Uh, I got an old Wii. Let's see here. I got a toaster. Is that like really old technology? <laughs> I still got like I, I, I'm sure there are some very modernized, hyper-tech <laughs> toasters out there. I, and but. I don't mean to jinx myself, but I do have like an amplifier stereo that I've literally had since I was like 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it still works. That's impressive. It's still great, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you mentioned the Wii, and yes. I'm, I'm with you also. Like uh, my oldest video or my newest video game system is a PS3 still at this Ooh. point. But yeah. I mentioned my son's getting into video games. Yeah, like he loves playing the Lego stuff on there. Yes, yes. I have a feeling we're not too many years away from him <laughs> yeah. demanding like the PS Seven or whatever maybe out or something at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I can't say I'll complain because yeah. I don't get to play games that much anymore yeah, except yeah, yeah. with him. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I won't mind. You need to upgrade, dude. You definitely gen. need to upgrade. What are you waiting for, yeah, man? Well, I, there's still so much stuff on the PS Three I never even got around playing. Fair enough. The Fair only enough. other thing I can think of, and I was just having this conversation with Marco before we went on, Super mm -hmm. Producer Marco, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, washer and dryer is one of those things that I've never <laughs> felt the need to I mean granted you know mine's lasted and like don't you don't need to make the purchase if you don't need to but right it's also one of those things where I'm like do I really need to buy a no. brand new no state-of-the-art no. super wi-fi high-tech digital <laughs> why do you need that i don't know marco's getting some new ones he's got some you know some uh, getting some little bugs Dude, in. that technology has not changed come uh, on now. exactly like i just need to wash break. my clothes yeah i, I don't need it to ping me when no. things are done no. or no. remind me that i haven't washed clothes yeah. in a week or something like that right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah features that go unused exactly shall i say yes. uh if you're wondering what the point of this yes what is the point here, by the way <laughs> uh we're talking today about legacy point of sale uh -huh. systems yes uh and and um, replacing them, uh, yes. you know, what it takes to make that happen, because I'm sure a lot of our bars deal with this, you know, constant, you know, struggle and push pull of, yeah. hey, I know my customers are using POS that's out of date, it's right, old, right? But they've probably got an it ain't broke, don't fix it attitude, yes, and yes. I just can't get them to do it. So we're mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We've got Jeremy Julian back on with us today. Nice. Yeah, uh, we haven't checked in with him in a while, but we're gonna he's gonna talk to us a little bit about you know replacing those systems, why people are so maybe tied to their legacy mm -hmm, systems, mm -hmm. and he's got a cool little three step process to help Ooh. bars you know, get to their customers ah. to make that move, maybe come to the conclusion that they need to change. Nice. Influencing people. Right. Yes, 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 yes. That's I the like best it. way to sell is when you convince someone else they need to <laughs> buy <right>. something <laughs> because they just need to think about it long enough. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. look, I'm not going to tell you to buy something. I'm just going to tell you some things to think about it and you're going to come to it on your own. Yes, yeah, that's it. That's exactly. it. A Jedi mind game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all that plus our usual value to the bar and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today is Jeremy Julian. He is from Custom Business Solutions. He's the CRO. He's also the creator and host of the Restaurant Guys, or the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Yes. Highly recommend that show. He's actually at it ahead of us. We're only a little over 150 episodes. He's you're you're what 200 something now, I think. Yeah, I just posted two something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, I definitely recorded over 200. Now it's just a question of how they release yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a little inside inside baseball here. Uh, we record these things and post them. Uh, you know, a week or two or three from now because. Uh, People like Marco got to do the uh, production work. That's right. That's right. Those right. knuckleheads that have the microphones in front of us uh, say dumb <laughs> things and have, have stuff that he's got to go fix. No you doubt. are officially Marco's best friend now. You're preaching to <laughs> to his choir at this yes. point. Yes. Uh, his his demand that the uh, the talent not uh, be in control of anything around <laughs> here. So, well, thanks so much for coming back. We appreciate having you back on the show. What have you been up to over the last year or so? What's been going on in your world? The the world, as we talked about pre-show, just continues to change, and uh, technology is always always evolving. Whether it's a, a PS3 to a PS7 or whatever you guys were talking about, but uh, but yeah, in general, uh, just continuing to work in the uh, in the restaurant space, producing the podcast, and. Uh, talking to people about legacy POS that they don't want to change at the end of the day. It's, uh, it's been, I don't want to say the bane of our existence, but it's been tough. It's been tough to get, you know, to get people to, to do it. And so I know we're going to, 
we're going to dig into at least what we've found to be successful. And hopefully that'll help our audience a little bit today. That's nice. right. That's what you're here for. All right. Well, then let's get started on this conversation. Talk about, let's talk about you know, the legacy POS for one thing. And mm. I guess let's start with how do you define that? Like what what age does a POS have to be? How long does it have to have been in use? You know, what what does that count as right now? And then why do you think that that businesses, retailers, restaurants, hospitality, why are they so hesitant to make changes to their legacy systems? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a two-part, um, I mean, there's probably a lot to that question, um, but the first of which is is really just hardware. You know, there's the hardware aspect of things, which, you know, um, I often will tell our own retailers, it's like, give me your laptop. Oh, it happens to be the newest MacBook that you just bought. Oh, let me see your iPhone. And they've got the newest iPhone. And then you uh, give me your headphones that you use. Oh, they have the latest AirPod headphones. And then you go to their point of sale and it's seven. It's nine. It's 11 years old. And you go, okay, so what's helping you pay for this is product that is 11 years old. Why are you using stuff that's ultimately helping you pay for your iPhone, pay for your Verizon bill, pay for your livelihood? Why are you using stuff that's, you know, 10 years old when the truth is, is you would never give that to your kid to go off to college. You would never use that in your own home, but you're going to do that with your business. And so on the hardware side, I think anything, you know, anything that's more than five years old certainly needs to be considered to be replaced. There's certain pieces of tech that don't don't evolve, um, as you guys were talking about pre-show, um, as much. But I think a lot of the, the compute certainly needs to be considered anytime after five years. And some of our best customers have a, a lifecycle management program where they know that in their kitchen, they're going to replace their kitchen printers every three years because a kitchen printer that goes down on a Friday night costs them a ton of money. Um, the second piece, John, that I, that I would say is, is software. The, the software that goes into running your business every day needs to be evaluated. And again, is it keeping up with the times? Is it allowing you to do the things that, that you want to do? Um, is it cloud enabled? Can you live the lifestyle that you want using your point of sale technology? And so that that's the second piece is, is does the legacy point of sale, and I say legacy in quotes, air quotes for those that aren't watching on video, because it may be legacy, meaning it's got 10 years of life cycle or 15 years of life cycle or 20 years of life cycle, but it's giving you the business needs that you have. And then there's many of them that don't. And so um, from that perspective, that that's that's huge. The last piece, and I'm sorry to, to ramble on a little too much, the, the, the last piece is, is the charge of the point of sale that you're using the way it was intended. Oftentimes, the point of sale product was created to solve a problem in grocery, to solve a problem in retail, to solve a problem in restaurants, and then got acquired by somebody that had a different charge. Their charge was to get into payments. Their charge was to get into, you know, um, some other vertical that was outside of cannabis. It's a retail product that was driven and started for, for retail. And then they went into the cannabis industry and there's nothing wrong with cannabis, but cannabis's needs are very different than a retailer that's selling clothing. And so understanding that um, is their charge that they started with. And when you bought the product in the same vein that it is that you would want um, to be today. Um, and then the last question I ask all of our customers is, would you buy the product again if you had money sitting around in time? And if the answer is no, then you need to be evaluating it. And for our for our resellers and bars out there, they need to be asking those questions of their customers. Yeah, ask those questions. Going back to the hardware, I we were at Retail Now recently, and and they're celebrating their seventy fifth anniversary. RSPA is, mm. uh, and they had a temporary museum piece in the back of the of the hall, and like it was like technology. all the technology through the years, right, Jeremy? I mean, like yep. going back from like whatever, way back. Uh, the first cash registers and stuff like that. So if you walk into your customers and they have some of these antique <laughs> pieces of hardware, yeah, they might need to upgrade. But, you know, do they still work? Some of them still worked, yeah, but yeah. is it working efficiently? And I, I think those are the those are the questions, I mean, to your point, Jeremy, that sometimes are hard to ask those questions, right? Because, yeah. you know, customers, are, yeah, they've got that, what you said at the top, if it ain't break, broke, don't fix it mm -hmm. kind of a thing. So why do I need to change? Well, the world has changed and, and it's changed in a lot of ways that we'll kind of dive in here. Uh, but these are the kind of questions you really have to be, you don't have to be forceful or, or use car salesman kind of way of asking them. Right, but right. but 
you know, it's to the benefit of the of the user, the retail or the hospitality establishment to have some of the advantages of modern hardware, modern software can bring to the table, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and Jeremy, you're you're dead on what you said earlier about you know the the tech that we all carry around and use in our day to day lives. Mm. I'm always a big proponent of this idea of why should your workplace tech be much lower tech than what you get to use in your personal life. Right. And granted, I get, you know, there's going to be some situations where maybe, you know, it's just not practical to have the latest and absolute greatest in a, in a business. But at the same time, if you want to attract younger talent, especially if you want people to feel like they have a, a positive work experience with their technology, because again, it, it needs to match up with what they're used to in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. I'm used to stuff that works quickly and, and, and efficiently and mm-hmm. is connected. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about connectivity later too. And if if the stuff I'm using for my work isn't doing the same, it just it's not going to feel right. Well, if it doesn't have the capability to do that yeah, from a software exactly. perspective yeah, exactly. and whatnot, I mean, yes, you you're not as efficient. Uh, you're not going to be able to explore or exploit, shall I say, all the things that this modern technology can bring. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, but but again, going back to the conversation, you have to be able to have the conversation, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and not break the inertia of what what is, what are we doing here. Right. kind of a thing. Right? <laughs> what, what are you what, what doing, are you doing here? here? <laughs> well, and it does come back to the customer experience, though. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, there's the staff side of it. Or is the staff attracted to it? Are they enjoying where they're working because they're able to make the money that they need to? Can they do their job efficiently? Or is this rote, you know, ways of doing it? The second piece of that, though, I think is, is consumers have been, um, you know, whether it's the DoorDash effect or the Amazon effect, Consumers expect certain things out of retailers. They expect certain things out of hospitality. And if you can't deliver it because your tech is not capable of it, they will stop patronizing your business. And at the end of the day, you're losing out in the sales game to some of the others because your tech can't keep up. Yeah. And, and I think some people get that. Like I was at a, a small roadside uh, place where you buy corn and, mm-hmm. and tomatoes this right, time of right. year. They even had some of the technology and they understand, quote, omni-channel and, you know, asking people to sign up for their stuff and, and things of that nature. So, so some people get it. Yeah. And even, even a small farmer roadside stand uh, can benefit from some of the technologies out there today. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you're, but I mean, uh, just think about something as simple as that is like, hey, you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to wait and drive by that certain place on the road and see if the sign's up saying there's fresh tomatoes today. What if you got an email? What That's if right. you got a text message yeah, yeah, telling yeah, yeah. there? It's, that, it's simple stuff like that. that Look at our sweet corn hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People exactly. be flocking to that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's again, it's 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 meeting business needs, up, matching them up with, you know, with what customers deal with in their daily lives. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Not only that technology that we're used to, at, you know, that we want to bring to the table as an employee, mm-hmm. but the technology that their customers are used to yeah. and would expect to find in the businesses they shop in yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So, all right. Well, then, okay, let's let's get into your approach. You 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 kind of encourage this three step approach to when it comes to replacing POS, and I think this is good information that our VARs can take and use when they're going out and trying to talk to their customers about you know how to approach these conversations around legacy POS. So, step one is to evaluate the current system. And I, and I think that's a great point because I, I I know most VARs or ISVs when they walk into you know uh, let's say in a restaurant a retailer or whatever they see what they're using they probably like all right I know all the stuff that's wrong with this and why you should get this thing that I have but I think it's important to be able to to tell them to do a little self evaluation so they can kind of like we mentioned earlier kind of kind of lead themselves there and get to that point along the way. Yep. So what do you recommend that that VARs are talking to their customers and asking their customers to consider about their current system that ideally leads them down this path to something new? So the 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 big fallacy I guess in the world of technology is is all technology is the same or all POS is the same. And you hear retailers say this, oh, all POS is the same. It can all do everything that you need it to do. And the truth is, is that's, that, that is not, that is a fallacy. It doesn't exist. Different technologies do things differently. And so because of that, I recommend, and, and we recommend as a business, when we go into these establishments is write down the things that you love about your existing system. What are the 10 things that if they went away tomorrow because they changed the feature, that system went away, that you guys would 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 want to use from, you know, again, in, in, in restaurants, and that's where primarily our focus has been. Are you using third-party delivery integration? Does your KDS really do what you want it to do? Are you using some form of kiosk or online ordering? How is it printing in the kitchen? Is something as silly as how it prints in the kitchen can or at the bar can drastically impact the guest experience if it's not printing the way that you want it to? 
long cook times go up to the top. In a bar scenario, the daiquiris always need to go up to the top because those are blended and they take longer to make than a Jack and Coke. And so things people don't think about, but create the levels of efficiency. And so writing down those things that may have been in your solution for one, three, five, 10 years. The second piece about that is, is what are you integrating with today? What are you integrating with on the payroll side? What are you integrating with on the payment side? What are you integrating with on all of the different pieces that you do to run your business? What are those integration touch points? Write those things down. Because again, not all POS is created equal. And so because not all POS is created equal, truly writing them down and building them. And I say writing them down, put them on a piece of paper, put them in an Excel spreadsheet of the top 20 things that you need. Um, because without it, you're going to make a mistake. Guaranteed, you're going to make a mistake if you just assume that everything. And this same thing goes for retail. The same thing goes for hosp uh, hospitality. Th same thing goes for grocery is what are the things that you want or need and have to have in your next system? Once you write those things down, it creates an opportunity for you to ensure that they can do what it is that you need. Good like stuff. Yeah. And I, st I firmly believe in, in, in this part of the process, this is where you have to start asking those questions as you, as you kind of teed it up mm. in the beginning there, because this is your opportunity to start laying the foundation for some of the potential that a new system could, could bring in. So as you're evaluating, I love the idea that you're asking the questions, what do you like about it? What's working for you today? Right. But then also peppering in some, some additional things like, well, have you, you know, if, if the stores of any size, you know, have, have you ever considered having, mobile POS where people can, you know, check out or your associates can walk and, and do check out remotely? Or what what are your feelings on, you know, having more of an omni-channel experience? Even if they don't even understand that, maybe you could cue it up a different way. Have you ever had a customer say, gee, I wish I knew that this sale was happening or that you guys are now stocking this product or something right, along those right. lines? Those are clues that, you know, hey, maybe you should you should start considering a system that is more integrated into what we would call an omni-channel experience, right? Having mm -hmm. loyalty programs or uh, and marketing uh, aspects and things of that nature. Or, uh, you know, sometimes I know a lot of store owners, if you're actually talking to the owners, they like to get into the analytics or the numbers around their business. Right. And you can start probing for that. Well, is the system giving you in an efficient manner the kind of reporting that you would need? Or have you ever seen these types of reports? So again, I think that this is during this stage, it's a perfect time to start planting some of those seeds, start uh, uncovering, you know, some opportunities to uh, make a case for why a new one's going to be yeah. the better solution. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the idea of making lists of what you like and what you would improve or, or do differently or what you would like to have. Because I guarantee you when you ask someone to do that, mm -hmm. and they, it, especially that person that says like, it, this is fine. PUS is great. It's, they're all the same. I know, like, I like what I've got. It's, 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 it's good enough. Mm -hmm. They start making that list and find out it's hard to get to 10 things that they genuinely like. Maybe they can get the first right. five or six easily, and then they start, mm, what else? Let's see. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like that the screen's blue, you know? Right. Like, I mean, you know, it might start getting pretty hard after a while. But then I promise you when they switch over to that, what would you like to have? Mm. That list probably gets filled in yeah. much faster and much easier than before. But I'm also encouraging if they don't have a very robust list, that's where you really start asking oh, yeah. questions because you can start filling in the gaps of what, hey, what the stuff they, they just don't even know. About. Yeah, yeah exactly. They just don't know what, the, yeah. what some of these possibilities are. Yeah, exactly. Some of the other questions that occurred to me is, maybe like asking about, again, this is a timely question, like, you know, what did you do during the pandemic? Like, what did you have to pivot or switch? What changed about your business during that time? Because if nothing else, there might have been some like kind of piecemeal stuff that they threw together. They mm -hmm. might have tacked on something to help them manage order, do order management or, mm -hmm. you know, curbside mm -hmm. or whatever. And, you know, and a lot of, I think it was a lot of folks that may have done that, that are still maybe running with that kind of tacked on you know, additional band -aid. piece of software. We'll call band -aid. it a band-aid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With kind of like a, well, we know this, it'd be ideal if this was all integrated and part of our overall <laughs> system. But right now we're just kind of, we've got it over there and it's it's yeah. doing the job at the moment. Because that's the kind of stuff too that I think when you start realizing like, hey, here's what we had to, what we had to do during, to get through that time. It's it's kind of a nice, you know, lays a groundwork of, well, hey, I, I mean, I'm assuming we're all not expecting another pandemic anytime soon. But mm -hmm. now that we know that that kind of thing's on the table and could potentially happen, why don't we make sure that we're ready for it the next time out or ready mm -hmm. for the next challenge that could potentially come along? Yeah, so yeah. I think I think asking those kind of questions, you know, can help maybe kind of, you know, push them in that again, keep pushing them in that direction of understanding, like there are things that you could do differently. Well, and one of the things that I would add to that, guys, is that that ask other people other than the owner. 
Um, I literally sat through a meeting yesterday with um, four people for a, a small um, regional chain, um, and the owner, you know, piped up and asked the, you know, answered the question when I asked, "What do they love about what it is that they're doing?" They happen to be on a legacy POS. Their legacy POS happened to get bought by a payments company, and so because of that, they're now in the market for for a new POS because the payments company won't do what it is that they want them to do to fulfill their business needs. And I know we'll get into kind of what do you want to do here in a few minutes, but the owner. Um, you know, as a disc profile, high D, like just answers all the questions. But then me as the salesperson, I started asking the operations guy, the IT guy, the finance person, because you know what? They love certain things about the system that the owner doesn't even know about. When you're in a, a retail establishment, you know, ask an associate, go patronize your customers as a VAR or go patronize those people to go figure out what do they love about what it is that they do today? Go sit at the bar at, a, at, a, at one of these restaurants that you're trying to sell and go talk to the bartender. Amazingly, the bartender is going to give you a ton of information about what they love and what they hate um, because they're they're sitting there talking and you don't think about that. Sit When you're sitting at a table, talk to the server. Hey, you know what? I noticed that you're using XYZ technology. What do you love about it? You know, tell me a little bit more. What what makes your life easier? Oh, this freaking thing sucks. No, no, no. Come on, man. I can't, you know, why are you still here then? Oh, I'm, you know, but, but you end up getting into these conversations where they're like, oh, I love the way that they do tip adjustments and tip adjustments truly help me close out my day and I can get home to my family at the end of my shift. And you don't think about those things, but now you can go in and use those as points of validation when you're educating the customer about the things that you want. So do that proper research about what they love with the end users that are also using the system. Don't, don't just rely on the owner because oftentimes they don't know what they use about that technology as well. They like the reports. They like to know that it, that it balances in the books. They like to make sure that the, you know, the money gets into their bank account or that they can get their labor percentages texted to their phone, you know, first thing in the morning or whatever it is. But the associates at the, at the end user level oftentimes are using pieces of tech that they don't even know about. So patronize those, those people, you know, and then on the flip side, and again, John, I know we'll talk about it here in a second, is, is figure out what are those things that drive them crazy. They're in a retail establishment. They struggle with returns and the returns for the omni-channel thing don't work well if I bought online and return in store. That makes them crazy and costs them an extra hour's worth of time if you've got a retail solution that could solve for that. Now, in a kind way, not in a used car salesman way, you bring those things up. So, all right, I just, I thought that was important to ask more than just the one person you're talking to. Patronize the establishment. Retail establishment, go figure out what do they love about it. You're standing at a grocery store. You're talking to somebody that's stocking shelves. What do they hate about it? What do they love about it? Ask those questions because those pieces of data can be used as arrows in your quiver to help people understand things and educate them about their business that they, they may not have even known about what was really, really good about what they have or really, really bad. And a, a, a real quick story. We did a poor job of this about 15 years ago. And went and sold us a point of sale solution to somebody. And ultimately it got pulled out after 90 days because the staff all quit because we couldn't fulfill one feature that they had. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, but the entire staff said, if you can't get us this feature in the next 30 days, they all quit. The entire staff quit because they wanted that feature. They ultimately put the uh, competing technology back in so that they could keep that staff. Silly story, but it's very, very true. <laughs> that happens. I, yes, that, I believe it. That's what you're up against yeah, here. No uh, doubt. All right. Well, then you kind of mentioned it. You know, we're getting into step two here. It's it's choosing the right system for their needs, which probably sounds like a no-brainer. Like, well, duh, you know, figure out what you want and choose the system for it. But we know it's a little bit more complicated <laughs> no than doubt. it sounds. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the important benchmarks that that they should be looking for when helping helping someone choose the right system? Again, you know, you know, I, I think most of our VARs know not to have the attitude to go in like, I know exactly what I'm going to sell them. I'm mm -hmm. gonna, I know they're using this. I want them to use this. This is what I'm going to sell them. We know that's not a smart way to approach it because mm -hmm. you know you, you might find as you start having these conversations that it takes you in a completely different direction. So what are some benchmarks they should look for? And then talk a little bit more about the connectivity piece of it. And you've kind of mentioned, you know, some of the back of the house type stuff, returns management, KDS, the stuff that's not necessarily directly the part of the front of house POS, you know, bringing yeah. up a sales system. Yeah, yeah. So why is that stuff so important to be looking at also? So give us kind of the full picture of how to choose the right system for their needs. So the things that 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 we like to do as part of the consultative sale is we understand what they love about the system. We know 
because we're experts in the industry, what opportunities that they have, whether that be kiosk and self-ordering, whether that be mobile payment, whether that be pay at the table, order at the table, whether that be kitchen management, whether that be um, uh, production management, you know, that customer that we were at yesterday, that potential customer we were at yesterday does fried chicken and the fried chicken cook times are in between, you know, 14 and 17 minutes. I asked the client, I said, how do you guys know how much chicken to drop? Well, it gets dropped when the people order it. I said, okay, if I could give you within a 99% accuracy, how many chicken breasts you're going to sell on Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon, and you could have them ready and you could get the customers out 10 minutes faster. How much better would that make your business? These types of things that we know that our technology can do, we present those to people and give them, and I, you know, we have a, a phrase in our marketing that's, you know, in a sea of no's where everybody's telling you, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this on your legacy side. We create an island of possibilities where they can go out and figure out what are these things that they that they didn't even know they could do. So we educate them into the right buying decision to understand the things that they may have not known even exist. Because oftentimes they're running a retail establishment. They're running a restaurant. They're out there in the, the trenches doing these things. And so the goal is to educate them about the things that would make their business better. Part of why it's so critical to patronize these, these establishments, because when you're there, you can tell true stories of when you were there with your kids and you got stuck for an extra 40 minutes because you couldn't get your check at the restaurant because, and you missed the movie or you, you were late to the soccer game and, and it made for a bad guest experience. And again, the same thing can go for um, a retail establishment when, you know, uh, order online, return in store, you know, uh, even stock. I mean, that that's a huge one for us. We we have four kids. Our kids play sports. I need to know real-time stock levels because if they need a new pair of cleats because they forgot to tell me and it's game day, I got to know that I can go to that sporting goods store and pick up a pair of cleats or that shoe store and pick up a pair of cleats for that game, you know, which has happened. I've been traveling with my kids and they go, oh, I forgot these. And it's like, crap, now I'm in a new city and I need to know whether those things are out there. And so, you can use those real life examples to help educate people as to the world that they can't, that they don't have today. You talked about KDS. I mean, KDS, there's a reason why all of the really big brands are using kitchen video because it makes it more efficient. Not that printers are bad. And I love our, our printer manufacturers. You guys sell lots of printers. We sell lots of printers. So it's not about that. It's really about in the kitchen. How do I do production management? How do I know what should be on the grill? How many burger patties should I have on the grill? making those things efficient to drive the behavior so that the end user has a better experience and the consumer has a better experience as part of the part of the critical nature of that. And so, um, John, you asked what and where and why as a VAR, you're obviously going to go in and sell something that you have. Um, you're going to maximize the things that you can do for that business. And I would make sure that you do that. Make sure that you express to the end users the things that you already know if you've got case studies or you've got examples of somebody that put in pay at the table and we have an, a, a use case for a customer that did a press release that said they got 18% faster table turns by doing order and pay at the table. For a really big, busy restaurant, that's almost 20% increase in sales when they're on a wait 80% of the time. 20% increase in sales, that pays for the system in six months and you know, and the, the minor, minor amount of pain that you have to go to through to change it is for it you know, pays for it in six months and, and forever, ever and always beyond that. And so use those case studies to express to the end user, to that retailer, what you did for somebody else and show them that. I'm a huge fan of case studies. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's it's a great way to humanize, if you will, to to your prospect or who you're selling to uh, a, a solution that works, right. that they can go and see. And then they can, uh, there's a comfort level there that comes from, oh, yeah, okay, they're feeling the same pain as I was. Uh, it, so, yeah, huge on case studies. I think they're, they're very important to create, worthwhile. You yeah. know, even if yeah. you don't have a marketing department uh, to any VAR out there, just spend the time, you know, create the hour. If it's a Word document, it doesn't matter. Just yeah, document what it is. Yeah, it can be, it can it be very simple. You just have a conversation. Learn yeah. about, hey, what was your challenges beforehand? Yep. How did our technology help you fix those challenges? Yep. What are you What are you dealing with now? What's what, what? How are things different than they were before? Yeah. If you're covering well, those three bases, that's stories. It. Stories resonate. Stories stick. Mm -hmm. Telling them that they got an 18% increase is awesome statistics, but statistics don't create an emotional attachment to that. They increase their sales 
you know, and, or whatever it is, but again, understanding what they're trying to accomplish as a brand, but you've got to tell those stories. Those case studies are ultimately stories of the success that you've already found within like establishments in those environments. Yeah. Let's dive a little bit into the connectivity and other parts uh, of the business or, or other technologies. You know, we've been intrigued by such things as like, uh, you know, machine vision and how, uh, you know, video technology, the capture, like surveillance video and stuff like that is really starting to creep into uh, this world. And it it presents itself as an opportunity for value added resellers uh, to, to get into that game because, you know, whether it's, uh, theft detection, you know, that's happening at the register or things of that nature, or at least documenting that through a surveillance video, or whether it's going to be, you know, heat mapping what people are doing or what activities actually happening in your store. There's a lot that's happening in that game as right. we as we know. Uh, so, you know, I think it is important to for resellers if you, you know your game, but but as we advocate here, making sure that you have at least uh, you know those auxiliary type of solutions available to or knowledgeable about them because, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, here about a, a retailer or a hospitality that may not know a lot about the technology. But then again, you're probably going to run into some of them that do read up on what mm-hmm. the latest technology mm-hmm. is. And they are looking for these types of things. You know, they want to be hyper efficient in, in what they do. You know, whether it's the, the brewery down the road or whatever, there are a lot of tech savvy people out there that you need to have solutions and solutions are through connected parts, right? right, right. Uh, it's connecting them to ERPs or or video surveillance systems or what have you to make it a more holistic solution. So you yeah. got to be cognizant of that too. Oh yeah, definitely. And choosing the right system, right? It, yeah. yeah. And well, and I think we kind of go back again to what we were talking about early on is the idea of what we like in our personal lives, what we deal with in our personal lives, mm. wanting to bring that into the workplace. Connectivity is another part of that. You know, we've we've all been living in a world of IoT and connectivity within our own personal lives for a long time. Mm-hmm. I love the Apple ecosystem, for instance, because I can copy something on my phone, paste it to my Mac. I can, you know, start yeah. watching something on my iPad and then transition over to my Apple TV at home with you know a seamless type of experience. That kind of connectivity, you know, people are, you know, the 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 home connectivity that we've people have going on now where all of your cameras and thermostats and you know, alarm systems are all connected together. Again, we all live with this stuff in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. So the expectation then should be when I go to work, yeah, everything's it's, connected there it's too. It's not going to be what, a calculator. Whatever I'm doing at the front of the store, <laughs> ringing people out, yeah. should be immediately transparent to the folks in the back of the store, the yeah, back yeah, yeah, of the yeah. restaurant. Yeah. You know, it, it, like we were talking about earlier, with, you know, if, if the restaurant, like, hey, this is this time of day when we know that people show up and buy a lot of burgers. It's, you know, the burger crowd shows up at this time every day. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure there's more burgers that are on the grill right now. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that where just it's, it's again, bringing what we all expect and are used to in our real lives into our workplace lives. And I, and I just think sometimes, you know, when you're having these conversations with your actual customers, maybe they don't realize that's possible. Or maybe they, it's one of those things, again, on their wish list of like, hey, it'd be nice if I could do this kind of thing that I can do with my home you know, technology, and you look at it and go, well, you can. There's no reason you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Just no one's ever talked to you about it before, but yeah, yeah you can do it's something. It's why you have to ask here. the questions because it's equally devastating from a sales perspective when you <laughs> lose a deal because you didn't have it the technology, right? So, yes. When you when when somebody had already read up on all the information and they found you to be inadequate to yeah. to solve those issues, uh, well, you know, you ask the question at the end, what? Why did we lose this again? Oh, well, because you, you didn't have all this functionality right. that like, we were but looking we for. Did. But we yeah. did, but but you didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the evaluation meeting we had. Dude, you got to ask the questions, right? Yeah, no, you got no to probe a little bit. No doubt. But I think that's why it's so critical for you to understand what the business needs are and then engage partners like Blue Star, go to events like RSPA to go research those things to say, our customers are looking for machine learning based you know, computer vision, AI, or they're not, they're not looking for that. They're never going to say, I want a machine learning computer-based AI, blah, 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 blah. They're going to say, I have a huge theft problem. And, and your job is to go figure out whether it's at retail now, whether it's calling your rep at, at Blue Star or, or going out and doing the research yourself so that you can bring a provider back to them. You don't have to own it all. I, I hate that in our community, all, all too often people want to do everything. And if you're serving everyone, but there's thousands of partners out there, you guys have an ecosystem of, of thousands of ISVs that are creating solutions to solve these problems. Go research those things, but understand what their pain points are, then go figure out how to solve them. You know, mutual friend Jim Roddy talks about being the trusted advisor to these people. 
Go figure out what their pain points are. They're going to tell you I have a theft problem. They're going to tell you I have a labor problem. They're going to tell you I have a supply chain problem. They're going to tell you I have a food quality problem. Your job is to understand. What, tell me more about the food quality. Well, you know, we went from 3% off-site, off-premise food to 60% off-premise food because of the pandemic and the right products not getting into the packaging. You know, okay, tell me a little bit more. Is it quality? Is it doing it through third-party delivery? Ask those questions. We're investigating. We're, we're talking to three different AI companies that do machine learning to make sure that what gets in the package is what the customer ordered. That's it. That's using, right. Yeah. Using the KDS data, but they didn't tell us, go find a company that goes and does that. But I bring them back to them and they're like, why didn't I know that this existed out in the world? Now we've solved that problem. Guess what? They're going to write a check for it because, you know, I talked to a, a, an executive at a, at a brand. He said 70% of their complaints were related to food quality for outside of their premise food, 70%, you know? And so they've got to solve that problem. And if we can help them do that through technology, through using tools that you guys have found and, and others have found, why not? Yeah, yeah, true. Well, and I think that's a nice segue into our last step of this process here, because you encourage customers to mm. actually do the research on technology providers and find out like, hey, who is the right match for you? Now, ideally, obviously, you know, if you're in, if you're in the position you're trying to win this business, maybe you're thinking like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go out and tell them to go look around and find someone else. I want to be that person. <laughs> but let's be honest, a lot of these decisions happen and these discussions are going on and a lot of this look outreach and look for technology is happening without you even being involved. You know, mm, I mean, absolutely. ideally you're part of that process very early on and you're helping encourage and create that process. But let's say that somebody, you know, is on their own doing the research. They're, mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out like, hey, I know I need something new. I'm looking for something different. I've got this legacy system that it's time to upgrade and you want them to be coming your direction. So What's, you know, what are your tips for VARs and ISVs to make them that ideal partner to help out with that transition so that when someone is ready, is, is, is looking to reach out and saying, hey, you know what, I need something new. I'm going to reach out to four or five companies and see what they can help me with, or maybe just one to start with. What, what do you think is going to help a, a VAR be in the right position to be that, that, again, that trusted advisor that someone wants to reach out to? I, I, we've done a couple of different things. So back to the list of the requirements, um, you know, that's critical. And so we have a list of requirements that say, these are the things you should be looking in your next gen point of sale. And like most people suggestively, the stuff that we do really well is, is in bold and at the top and, you know, the stuff that maybe we don't do as well may, may not be, you know, may not be mentioned as, as, um, overtly, but that's, that's part of what you're doing in selling is, is educating them into the right buying decision. And so that's part of it is helping that end user to achieve the end result that they're looking for, which is to be able to get to where they want to get to. So educating them on, here's the things, you know, we talked about it. What are the things you love? Make sure that they write those things down, evaluate them, question them, the things that they're missing, help them get educated about the things that they're missing, the things that they want to do, and then go out and give them two or three people that that they may um, be able to look at that you know whether you've, you've got some advantage over them, I would be my recommendation. You've got some advantage of things that you can do. The last piece that we do is we, we have something called a proven process, which is our blueprint of how we're going to take your technology. A lot of people's fear about replacing technology is they've been sold a bill of goods, for lack of a better term, on the business side. There's all of these companies that come in and tell them, oh, I'm going to save you X amount, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it's a sales pitch. And at the end of the day, they don't deliver the results. So a lot of retailers, a lot of restaurants, a lot of um, grocers are um, shy about doing it because they're like, you know what? I've been told this seven times that you're going to solve this problem and, and you're the eighth person that's walked in the door that told me you can sell, solve this for me and nobody has yet. And so showing them in both the case studies that you talked about earlier, Dean, as well as I've got a process to help take you from you know where you are today to where you need to go and we've done it and we've done it a hundred times over. And so we have a seven step process that starts with discovery, turns into you know product presentation, turns into implementation. And we walk through that to show the end user that we're not, we are a partner that's in this to help you be successful and achieve the goals that you're looking for. We're not just a technology provider that's going to sell, sell it and forget it. We want to be a long-term partner for three, five, 10, 15 years, because at the end of the day, 
if we're successful, I mean, if you're successful, we're more successful. And if we're more successful, you can help open up new properties and, and such if that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, right. It gets back to the trusted advisor. I, I think that's a, just such a good little phrase. Here yeah. To, 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 <laughs> Wait, do we have to pay Roddy for that every time oh, we say it? Dang it? Do we? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it's so yeah. true, right? I mean, the, you the, want... open, the open bar at retail now, he got, he got free beers. <laughs> so there, you go. there you go. But what makes you an ideal partner is to be that trusted advisor, right? Yeah. The, the one that's bringing to the table uh, these types of solutions. And, and if you're not really good at being a trusted advisor, because I mean, I get it. I guess some resellers, you know, they get very comfortable in their world, they understand right. their solution, uh, and they create this bubble uh, that, that they're within. But you know, getting out of that bubble uh, is actually easier than you might think. You just leverage the ecosystem that's around you. You know, we 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 profess all the time. You know, get with your vendors. Your vendors have ecosystems. If you're mm -hmm. working, whatever your receipt printer, your your touchscreen, they all have programs in place, resources in place to go out there and find these types of technology add-ons that that help the ecosystem. So right. leverage that. Distributors do it. Blue Star does it. We do it. I mean, these are people that you can work with on a day-to-day -day basis that you are working with on a day-to-day -day basis that can increase it, increase your ecosystem so you become an even more trusted advisor. Because I think that's that's right, Jeremy. You want to be the one that you, you can just assume that they're going to be pinging at least two or three people. If they're in the market for something new, I mean, what do you do, right? You, yeah. you go to at least two or three different sources. Yeah. I'm going to go to the guy I got today, and then but I'm going to go to these guys and gals over here too just to right. see if they're still comparable. And it's, it's easier than ever to do your own research. Easier than ever to do it. So, But you have to position yourself as that advisor uh, that is kind of, you know, um, just that non-branded, hey, you know, here's what we're seeing, here's what we've, here's right, the case, right. all the things that we've mentioned here. Yeah. Well, and to go back to what Jeremy mentioned earlier about the whole like theft, for instance, theft and shrinkage. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's one of those things that someone just doesn't even know that you can address that problem. Mm -hmm. So they're not bothering to tell you about it mm -hmm. when you're asking about their issues. They're like, well, you're just the POS guy. You're just the right. You're just the uh, the inventory yeah. management gal. Like, you know, it's I, I know what I what I come to you for. And, you know, you're you're the hardware person. That's all that's that's all I need out of you. Right. You're not going to help with anything else. So mm. I'm not going to talk about shrinkage. I'm not going to talk about labor problems like, you know, it's like there's no need for me to talk about this stuff with you. Again, I think the you know, we talk so much about the modern VAR, VAR 2.0, mm. 3.0. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of that is being someone who is kind of world you know, like worldly. worldly yeah. Yes. And like just very knowledgeable <laughs> and, and someone that, again, we go back to trust advisor, cha-ching, Roddy. Uh, like, you know, every time when we just, you know, you, you come back to that conversation and realize like, hey, if you're able to present yourself as someone who knows more than just here's a cash wrap, mm -hmm. here's a mm -hmm. printer, yeah. here's a digital display, I'll hook it up for you and then see you later. <laughs> we know that's not, the, that's not where we're supposed to be anymore. So make sure that any kind of like outfacing marketing or SEO or, you know, your website or, you know, however it is that you're connecting with customers or if you have an established relationship, make sure they are aware and can see very clearly that you know about more things and have more connectivity to other parts of their mm -hmm, business mm -hmm. than just well, you what increased they your value. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's what a value added reseller should be doing. There you go. It's like, in the name. I don't think you're allowed to call yourself that <laughs> if you don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Well, and the, the one other thing I caution a lot of ours, VARs against is trying to do all of it. No, right. All for on sure. Your own. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think I think, you know, um, I look at this machine learning thing that we're working on, this computer vision machine learning piece. And yeah, could we do it? Absolutely. Do I understand the technology? We have people a lot smarter than me that are on our team that could figure that out. But that's not our charge. Our charge is to figure out how to be the best point of sale provider in the restaurant industry for this type of vertical. And so we know a lot about that. Let's go find partners that we can work with that we're going to solve that problem for that customer. And you know what? You can only be great at, you know, and I, and I evaluate and our team, our executive team evaluates. If we can't be number one or number two in the world at this, then we should probably find a partner that can be number one or number two in the world at this type of tech. But now build a deep level partnership where you can now be the trusted advisor that says, hey, I'm going to bring you in with my friend John here, who John is now going to show you how theft is a critical part of this business. And he's going to show you the theft management, you know, um, loss prevention problem that you have that you don't even know you have. But now John is an external validator that says, go talk to Jeremy because Jeremy's got fantastic point of sale. I've got loss prevention. Now you've got two people telling this guy to buy your point of sale. 
versus you being the only one in there standing at the rooftops going, hey. I can do everything. You know, <laughs> That's right. Hey, look That's at me. That's good stuff, right? I got a point yeah, of yeah. sale. You yeah, need yeah. some point of sale. You, hey, do you need point of sale? Do you? you no? Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Hey, this is good stuff. I like I like this approach. I like this attitude of, uh, you know, our, our three steps here, evaluating their current system, choose the right system for your needs, and research technology providers. So, yes. Good nice. stuff. I think good stuff. There. All right. Well, a simple plan. That's what I like. It is. It, right? Very simple boom, plan. Boom, boom. Yeah. So before we, <laughs> before we wrap up with our value to the VAR, kind of a takeaway from this conversation, I want to, as always, thank the sponsors mm-hmm. of our Tech Connect podcast, the yes. Tech Connect program. We appreciate everybody that supports our show on a regular basis. Uh, hey, if you like the show, we kind of need to hear from you. We need we need some likes. Yep. We need some reviews. Throw them up there. We need subscriptions. Yep. Just every now and then, I just I would just I would love for every now and then to get an email or get yeah. a little ping. Get an say, idea, something like that. Hey, I like this. Honestly, even if you don't like it, I just I need some kind of validation <laughs> at this point, you know? So uh, just, just send that stuff into us. We want to hear from you on a regular basis. Uh, and hey, if you have ideas for the show, if there's topics we need to dive into, if you're saying, hey, mm-hmm. I want Jeremy to come back on and talk to us a little bit more about uh, KDS. Great. Yeah. Uh, we, we'd be happy to do that. But we need to know what you want to hear about. So to do that, there's always a link in the show notes to provide topic ideas to us. Send those in to us. Even if we do not use your idea, we will still send you a Tech Connect podcast T-shirt. That's right. Uh, and honestly, like, we're most likely we'll use the idea. If it's, yes, if it's something yes. we're capable of, we'll yeah. most likely use we'll it. We'll weave because, it in somehow. Yeah, we like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we like getting uh, ideas. It makes it so much easier when I get, all right, I don't have to go out looking for a new idea for the show today. Someone just <laughs> gave me one. I just got to find someone to talk about it. That's so. right. That's right. Uh, and as always, if you want to stay in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter slash X slash who knows what it might be called when this episode comes out. Uh, it's at Pod, or you can email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here, starting with our yes. value to the VAR. Uh, this is our way of kind of uh, giving a little takeaway to our audience, maybe something yep. they can think about. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of our VARs, uh, you know, may deal primarily in hardware. And granted, again, we know in this current VAR ecosystem, if you are if you don't have software partners, you're probably not a value-added reseller at this That's point. Right. You're probably just a <laughs> guy that sells some stuff. Uh, so, but, but, but we also, I think when we talk about POS, I feel like software tends to get a lot of the attention. Like, that's where most people are thinking, like, all right, what is the, what is the software going to do? Mm-hmm. But we know that the hardware is a critical component, too. I think you mentioned at the very top of the show that, you know, when you're thinking about a legacy POS, it's not just the software, that the hardware is part of that, too. So why do you think evaluating the latest hardware is just as crucial when you're upgrading a system? I mean, especially for for retailers, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the tool that they're using to capture the data that they need. And if it's not working, we're not doing, you know, not fulfilling the purposes. And so what we look for when we're evaluating those things is where are those long-term partnerships? Is the hardware distributor willing to listen to us? What are our customers looking for? What do they want? What do they need? What are the things that that they're looking to put in? And we pro- we provide that feedback to those those partners. And so again, truly understanding who your who your vertical market is, what it is that they're trying to solve, and then going out and spending time with your distributors, going out and spending time at the trade shows to figure out those things is critical to your success because they represent you. At the end of the day, if you pick the wrong hardware provider and you go sell a piece of hardware to somebody as a VAR, you're going to end up getting the good if it works really well or the bad if it doesn't work really well. And so evaluating that. The, 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 the last piece that we always do, always, 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 is before we put a piece of technology into the field, we have our guys that have been doing this for a long time do a full breakdown of what is going to break within this unit and provide that feedback to the manufacturers. You know, Epson comes out with a new printer. We happen to be a big Epson partner, but I'm not, you know, saying that they're best or worst or whatever. We look at their printer and we go, okay, this power supply is going to have a problem with this connector coming out of the printer. We provide that feedback to the engineers. You know, we're working with different hardware, you know, terminal manufacturers. What's going to happen on this hinge in this environment for these customers? And we provide that feedback. And so um, hopefully that answers your question, but we evaluate those things. One, to understand what the needs of our customers are. Very, very, very critical. We've talked about that the entire show. And then secondarily, when we're out looking to solve those problems, is the hardware going to be reliable? If you're doing $20,000 a week in sales and you lose one third of your terminals, there's a chance your sales are going to go down by a third because now you no longer have the ability to ring up those sales. How much is that worth to you to make sure that you've got a new piece of hardware that will work and fulfill the business needs and business purposes that you have? 
That's exactly right. And evaluating also goes beyond maybe some of the stuff that you're comfortable with. Like, for example, kiosks, self-serve, that's mm-hmm. that's huge, right? That, that continues to grow. And if you don't have that, you, you need to know about the hardware and some right. of the specs behind it and what are the breakpoints and everything that Jeremy just mentioned. Brilliant. Uh, but also the functionality, you know, Bluetooth connectivity. Right? It does it does it connect to peripherals and things of that nature? You got to know these things mm-hmm. uh, and be able to bring them to, to the table yeah. uh, to the benefit of your customers. Yeah, bad hardware can bring good software yeah, down. There you go. And I'll give you. Ooh, a, I love that. I'll give you a very practical example. It's just <laughs> that I just discovered my own personal life a couple days ago. My wife and I get into bed, decide we're going to watch our, a show we've been watching on Netflix. Yep. Now our TV in our bedroom, we just got a you know a fairly cheap small TV in yeah. there, and we got one that's like built for streaming. Like it's one of the kinds yes, made by a right. streaming service. Yes, I'm yes, not going to yes. call them out, but it's made by a streaming <laughs> service. It's built to just you know have a bunch of apps on it or whatever and yeah. go to your streaming yeah, yeah, yeah. service. We turn it on. I go to load up Netflix. Netflix takes like five minutes to load, takes another five minutes to choose a profile, another couple of minutes to choose our program, yeah. another couple of minutes to start. About two minutes into the episode, it kind of freezes up and uh, I had to go yeah, back yeah, and turn, yeah, yeah, yeah. turn it off and back on again. That's right. And it's one of those things like, I know that if I if we went and watched this shame show in the living room on the Apple TV, it would be fine. There would have yeah. been none of this. Hardware this isn't is a, the issue. This wasn't a Netflix problem. This is a TV problem. Yes. I think it's the same thing for this kind of stuff. You know, That's Somebody right. That's might right. be using a point of sale system and, and thinking like, man, you know, I can't get this transaction rung up fast enough. Mm-hmm. I can't get my data from here to the back, you know, of the restaurant as quickly as I'd like. Mm-hmm. I'm having issues getting these orders processed in the right order here. Yep. Moving it stuff keeps around. freezing up. It didn't have enough RAM, exactly. all this stuff. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. thinking, they, you know, again, the software is the part, that's the part that you're seeing and dealing with and working on. Yeah. So your assumption might be it's the software is the issue, when in reality, it might be the hardware that's the actual that problem there. Hardware. So, yeah. you know, I think that's a, that can be a great talking point, you know, to folks is like, hey, if stuff's going wrong and you like your software, it may not be the software's problem. Mm-hmm. Let's evaluate what's going on with the hardware. Maybe that's you just it. need a, a faster, better, more modern hardware piece. Too, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Hey, let's wrap up the show, as always, with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting With You? This ah. is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, tech, innovation, yes. business. Just something we feel like talking about that's got our eye, caught our attention, we just feel like chatting about today. So, <laughs> uh, Jeremy, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting With You? Uh, on the personal side, I have been loving the the iterations of the ChatGPT and the, all of their image stuff. Um, we were talking actually pre-show about about doing the podcast. Like I used to sit and labor over writing the descriptions for the show. Using AI and using those tools to summarize the podcast has been a game changer for me for my own podcast, restauranttechnologyguys.com. It's been that's been huge. Um, I never used to do images for stuff, and I'm using Dolly and I'm using Canva and I'm using Microsoft Designer to help create the thumbnails for the YouTube channel and the podcast posts, like just stuff that I never, I, I'm I'm not very good with all of those kind of things. And so um, put put a camera in front of me, put a mic in front of me, let me talk and I'm good, but make me do all of that kind of stuff. It has, it has changed my world and uh, has been hugely helpful in ways that I never thought. And I'm imagining a world uh, even in our own, our, in our own business where that's going to really become a huge piece of what it is that we do. For sure. The, the studies already show one of the most impactful places that AI is uh, encroaching is marketing, yeah. you know, and yeah. just the world of, of content creation and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, huge. Yeah. And to the benefit, right? Uh, yep. Now you're so much more efficient. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah I've, yeah. I've never felt the need to keep a tally on this show of like the different times people say the same thing for their tech yes. Yes. But yes. man, ChatGPT has been by far <laughs> the most popular go-to for a lot of folks. And yes. I don't blame anybody for that. Yes. I mean, it's it has been a, it's a very game-changing type of tech mm-hmm. that is that I can't th- nobody can find a good reason not to be fascinated by it if you yeah, start using right. it. So. That's right. That's right. Well, All well, right, Dean, well here's another tech that I thought was supposed to be around by now, but I'm going to go back to it. Is it flying cars again? It is flying cars. <laughs> but this guy is flying taxis, right? So okay, okay. Uh, you know, it's always been this long running. I I I swear, by now in my life, I would have sworn that we would be in flying cars. <laughs> Uh, but apparently that's You're a big not, Jetsons that's, fan as a kid, weren't exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it may, it may be happening now. And here, here's the evidence. Plane okay. manufacturer Embraer 
I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, they're out of Brazil. Says they are actually building flying taxis, uh, and and they're going to actually produce these new uh, units by 2026. So 2026 okay, is the year. Far off. They say they've got orders for 3,000 of them. This is in Brazil. It's in Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. So that's where they're going to fly uh, initially. And by the way, what is it? What does an air taxi ride go for? What would you think? Mm. It's going to be in the 50 to 100 dollars. Okay, I was so not say terrible. 50, 60 not bucks, terrible. Yeah. Yep. Uh, U.S. regulators are recently releasing timelines for air taxis here in the United States. Could be as early as 2025. So now you've got been some tests of them already. I think. Well, now you got some. You got a significant uh, manufacturer. I mean, Embraer Air. They they they've been doing airplanes forever. Uh, But now, so maybe it's getting a little closer. Maybe now the question begs. Now though, Jeremy, would you get in one? But by the way, the first ones are going to have. Are these pilots? Okay. The first ones are going to have pilots. They say, but very soon thereafter, they're going to be pilotless. Uh, so anyway, are you going to are you going to take a, a ride in electric? Uh, so taxi? I, I, I have a, a something that I probably I don't know maybe I wasn't quite there when we last were on the show. I do own a car that has autonomous driving. Yes, and so I use that a lot. Ah, so you're comfortable okay. with the tech and already. so I am getting more comfortable with letting my car drive me to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the air thing. Uh, Yes. Yes. At the end of the day, yes. I do have four kids and I have a wife. Uh, I asked her the other day, I said, hey, if you knew that like I only had like a month left to live, would you let me go do all these crazy things? She's like, you could do it now. I just won't be very happy with you. And so um, so with that, yes, I, I do believe I would be one of those people. I'm always an early adopter for this kind of tech. So yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and and uh, maybe maybe you and I can go hang out in Sao Paulo and go figure that out. I like it. Out. I like it. Let's go. I'd probably even be a little more ready to get into the air taxi than I am a self-driving car. <laughs> Just because <laughs> there's less other people up there ah, <laughs> I see. to cause a problem. At least in the self-driving car, I'm just like, all right, I got to worry about, I still got to worry about all these other idiots on the road that don't know how to drive. Right, 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 right. And, but at least when I'm doing the flying thing, yeah. and I'm assuming you're not getting up high enough where the airplanes no, actually are. No, yeah, no, right. There's yeah. probably just not a lot of other traffic up there to worry about. So That's I mean, right. as long as you get over the idea of like, do I worry that this thing's going to crash? I, I, you know, I, I think I'm That's probably, yeah. I might be a little more comfortable with more that comfortable. than the cars okay. at this point. So. Fair enough. Well, that could hey. change, but yeah, you know, we'll see. All right. So keep that in your your mind here. It could be there as early go. as 2020. It's only two years away, dude. Yeah, that's true. Doing flying taxis. There you go. What's the tech connecting with you? Uh, all right. So you mentioned you, you have an autonomous vehicle you're using, Jeremy. I'm assuming it's got an EV. It's an EV, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So, um, and you have an EV as well. Yep. So let me ask you guys, are, is your insurance an issue with EVs? What do you mean an issue? It's more. Okay, so because I, this, this is the article I found in Reuters here, EV batteries remain a major challenge for insurers. Oh. So apparently insurance companies are struggling with how to evaluate and how to evaluate a vehicle ah. that has any, a battery in battery. it. Battery. Well, this because, is the point. Basically because they're like, well, if something even slightly damages the battery, do we even know how to repair that? Do we even mm-hmm. have any idea of what the cost of repair cheap, is? By the way. Exactly. Yes. You're, you're talking thousands of dollars. So essentially, this is like it's just a lack of data is a big part of it. That just sure. there hasn't been enough. You know, there's not enough data on crashes <laughs> and the issues that can potentially arise. It's a little surprising, but go ahead. And apparently, it's creating a headache for insurance companies. Where now they're thinking like, well, we need to like jack our premiums up because we just simply don't. Basically, what they're saying is some of the insurance companies have been saying like we felt like we needed to just completely scrap and total a car mm. and pay out. That otherwise had no, you know, had minimal damage that otherwise would have been very easily fixable and not mm-hmm. have to be totaled. Mm-hmm. But because the battery was involved in some way, mm-hmm. we now have to total the whole thing because the cost of switching out a battery, replacing that, or it's even understanding it. if there's any way to repair said battery yeah, yeah, yeah. is no longer worth it at this point. Uh-huh. So it's causing a kind of a, a, a crux for the insurance companies when it comes to electric vehicles. So. I'm kind of curious about because we've talked about like my I'm next not one I'm will, not going to whine I'm not electric. going to cry too much about it because this is their job and I you know they're already making pretty good money I'm sure but it could impact you if your premiums oh, start sure. raising because they're for like sure. look we're going to make you charge you more because we simply have no idea how much it's going to cost to replace these vehicles you yeah know? we don't, we yeah, don't yeah, quite yeah. have that but I'm really surprised yet. that they, I mean they've got they've got armies of actuaries out there that that understand how to run these crunch these numbers I mean yeah. I mean it's a car so it's still going to get in the same kind of accidents that any other car would get true now. You you just have to extrapolate. Well, okay, what's the likelihood that? Yeah, I mean, no. they've yeah. got to have thought that through. I'm a little so surprised. You think, this, they're, you little, think they're just they're suggesting this as a way to just to get away with higher premiums? I'm, right I'm now? suspicious. Yes, <laughs> I guarantee that's the case. Because for me, my car has kept me out of accidents because it's smarter than I am. It sees things that I don't see, and so it moves lanes. I mean, again, 
I have this autonomous car that moves and does things, slows down when I'm like, how did it see that, you know, some, you know, deer running across the road that I would have never seen, but it saw it through its cameras. And so I, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I think they're just trying to figure out a way to, yeah. to jack up the premiums. Yeah, for, that's for what the I think it is. I think that's a hit piece. All on, right. Uh, you well, know. well, the public needs to catch on and needs to start uh, railing against these companies. You I know. mean, the woe is me. We're so dumb. We can't figure this out. Card is not a really good one, especially yeah. in the insurance <laughs> that's, agent. That's I mean, come on. Point. That's all you do is crunch numbers all day. That is. A very, I mean, let's be honest. Insurance, to some extent, is kind of a scam anyway. Yeah, so, right. you know, <laughs> they're just looking for an additional way to, to build this game out further there. Good stuff. Hey, yeah, hey, no if, doubt. If the next show is just you and I because he got a hit by the insurance uh, agencies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll now figure out another co-host for you. <laughs> Fair enough. No doubt. All right. That's what's tech connecting with us. Uh, it is time for us to unplug today. Jeremy Julian, thanks for joining us today. Hey, check out Restaurant thanks, Tech Guys. We highly recommend that podcast. It's yep. good stuff. Uh, and until next time, you know, uh, go, um, I don't know, go get on a flying taxi. and Prepare. Yes. And uh, check your insurance rates on your EV vehicle. There, so. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. If it isn't broken, why replace it? What? Uh, we just talked about this on the we pod today. We did just today. talk about this, yes. Nothing ever goes wrong with thinking like that, right? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a great way to think about everything. Head in sand, yes. Uh, customers often take this mentality, yes. but we know there's a difference between not broken and not working optimally. Aha. Uh-huh. Especially regarding legacy printers. Yes. We talked about legacy POS, now we're talking legacy printers. Printers, yes. Zebra is here to help with their latest ebook, Knowing When to Say When, Three Reasons Your Customers Should Refresh Legacy Printers. Mm. Printers can be a mission-critical component of many industries. As long as they are churning out labels, receipts, or tags, it can be easy to take them for granted until they stop working. That's right. Zebra printers are ultra-reliable and long-lasting, but even the best gear should be upgraded occasionally to keep up with new demands and innovations. Dude, so, of course. Uh, if you're ready to do that, you're ready to help your customers do that and help and you should. them they need to. Mm-hmm. Check out the link in the show notes to read the ebook and learn how to have these important conversations with your customers. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by ELO and the 70 Series Full HD Professional Grade Touch Monitor. Nice. I mean, it just uh, the way you like said that, that was like, oh, that should be ELO's hype man. Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> 70 Series <laughs> Professional Grade Monitor. Absolutely. Sorry, ELO, you probably didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Uh, the 70 <laughs> Series delivers professional grade, feature rich platforms, well suited for POS, interactive digital signage, self service, document signing, and more. Wow. All right, let's talk some of the features here. Narrow border touchscreen. Nike. Energy Star 8.0 certified. Needed. Scratch resistant surface. Hole. Oh. Uh, durable IK07 design. Yes. Low blue light and flicker free. Nike. Touch on screen display. Display tilt from 20 to 70 degrees. Built in speakers and a collapsible stand for Visa now. Look at all those things that Elo thinks about and puts into their product. Exactly. Wow. They got it covered. Yeah. Uh, you got options also for the screen size too, available in 22, 24, and now 27 inch sizes and black or white housings. The 70 series delivers the quality and reliability you expect from Elo, backed with a standard three year warranty, extendable to five years with optional advanced Oof. unit replacement. Nice. Why would you not be buying and selling these? I don't know. Point? Yeah, that's why we can't keep on the shelf. They're just, you know, it's crazy. There you yeah. go. Exactly. Uh, check out the link in the show notes to learn more about these new monitors. <laughs>